You're listening to Your Rivers Are Wrong, the podcast. Good morning, everyone. Or afternoon or evening. You know the drill by now. We're doing all the time zones. Welcome back to Your Rivers Are Wrong, the podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Merle. And I'm the other host, and my name is Dante. Yeah. And in this podcast, we talk about, I mean, you know what we talk about, but, you know, just to refresh <laughs> you your know mind what we here, talk about. We talk about the wonderful whimsies of world building, the arts and aesthetics of setting up a setting and telling stories born from it. Isn't that right? It sure is. Hey. And what are we doing today? I think we're doing the finale again. We've been doing some finales, but we're doing another one here. And also, <laughs> just a small disclaimer, in case you missed it. I've been having some microphone troubles, and also I'm sick. So if I sound a bit different, that's why. I'm not a different human. I'm just sick and in different technological modes today. I don't think it's different enough that they can't recognize you. But Great. that is a good disclaimer. Yeah, you know, if it turns out that I just sound perfectly like I sound normally, then we could just cut it out. It's the magic of editing. This is just, you know, covering all our bases here. <laughs> No, you gotta, yeah. you gotta add to the. There, there's a story behind this. Clearly, mm, it's a yeah this backstory. Is the, um, all Halloween backstory. episode. This is a Halloween That's episode. Right. This is the monster episode. Yes, we're just trying. Some, we're doing you know, all new the monster voices. Ominous. Oh, thank you. That's very kind of you. <laughs> Truly, your voice sounds no different, at Beautiful. least from my end. Amazing. Okay, wonderful. Then, you know, forget what I said. <laughs> There's some growls or some crackles and later yeah. on in the episode, all part of the act. We'll just add some sound effects. Yeah, you know, like spooky the pit immersion. Sound. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Like ominous echoes mm-hmm. in the background. Yeah, I expect, exactly, uh, exactly. expect some echoes in the funnel. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not going to do that. Oh, my God. I, don't, I can't remember if it was episode 68 or 69 that I just edited. And the prompt, my past self was like, hey, future self, add some sounds here. Uh-huh. And me, future self, sitting at the computer, I'm like, how dare God you? Damn it. <laughs> it is 4 a.m. in the morning. I do not want to look up music right now. Nope. Fine. Oh. Fine, past self. I'll give you some music. I love how you had a little argument with yourself there. But you still did it. You know, that that's, I think, accounts for like true professional podcasting. Isn't that right? I think that's what we're doing here. <laughs> I do like some good old-fashioned sound design. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty immersive, not gonna lie. Anyway, aside from me being sick, how about you? How are, how are you doing? <laughs> I am I am not sick, hey. which is nice. It's a nice change. It's a I nice mean, change. That's the usual thing we do, right? If I'm sick, you're not. And then if you're sick, then, then I'm not. <laughs> we do alternate. Isn't that a thing? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I think all of last season, we were just alternating who's sick and who's not. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's correct. Yes. <laughs> Things on my end. I wonder what has happened. Oh, yeah. Um, I have recently bought tickets to PAX Unplugged. Ooh. PAX Unplugged, is a, it's a whole convention about games that are not online, I think. I actually don't know the premise between <laughs> PAX Unplugged, but I looked at it Where and there's a whole going? lot of like... <laughs> you well, bought, I bought tickets the train for that? Yeah, like... <laughs> But I, listen, you, the tickets are up before all the workshops and all the booths right. were up. So you have to buy them before you know if it's actually nice. Got yeah. It. And if you want to buy tickets like before they're sold out, you got to buy them before knowing what's actually there, which right. is a bummer. But hey. Interesting business model. It's, <laughs> it's so fun because for these conventions, for people in the tabletop RPG community, I suppose, They always make a big deal about going to these conventions so they can meet up with people or sell merch or advertise a new game, stuff like that. Me, as a faceless content creator, there's no shot anyone recognizes me. So in my head, I'm like, should I even announce that I'm going? I'm not even going to run into anybody, right? Nobody's going to notice. But it's going to be so fun. Well, did you announce it? Uh, I I did. Are you okay with meeting people? It would be fun, though. Like, it's such a digital job, right? I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to say that I'm going, um, maybe I'll have some like cool pins or stickers available that I'll just like make. Oh, and if nice. anybody yeah. ever recognizes me, the, the off, off chance that anybody actually knows what I look like, I'll give them like a pin and a sticker. I'll be like, hey, Easy. thanks for looking for me. Yeah. And if one person finds me, that's a win. Maybe you should just like introduce yourself by the intro you're doing on YouTube. 
and maybe we'll let the voice do the work, you know? I don't know. Oh, no. I don't know. Maybe. What if that's just your spiel for the whole day? Oh, you're going to hate it so much. No, it's a bad, bad advice. No, <laughs> no. I, I, I got to think of something. Maybe I'll take a picture of like my t-shirt that day. Or just wear like a giant shirt. Yeah. Just do like a self, little self-branding moment. Sure, sure. I'll think about it. I got I got two months before the convention, so. Ah, okay. Got a little bit of time to plan. That's going to be fun. Yeah, I really like yeah. that. And you've been there before, right? PAX? I went to PAX East in Boston. Oh, said if, well, this East. year. <laughs> Same company. I, <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, well, actually, I mean, you've got a point. PAX Unplugged is west of me because it's in Pennsylvania. Yeah, which, see? Which is surprisingly close. So Good for I'm you. excited to go. Yeah. How about you? Any updates besides your <laughs> recent illness? Uh, I suppose. Not really. No. I feel like you've had such a busy two, three months that it's it's nice to have. Yeah, I think it's it's a sort of relapse, sort of karma moment I think I'm having now where, where I'm just mm. not doing anything to sort of save my energy levels. I don't know. Well, okay. So no, I did, uh, because my microphone broke, this is, we're back in the backstory. Because my microphone failed on me, um, I went to my family over the weekend because I knew my dad had a USB microphone that I could mm-hmm. borrow for a second so we could like finish this fucking season because we've been trying to do that for like weeks now <laughs> and my microphone kept breaking on me. Um, uh, so long story short, my, my dad was actually sick, but then it turned out my mom had another microphone. So then it worked out. So I did visit my family over the weekend eventually nice. for like random reasons, but it was really nice. So that was some good quality time. But aside from that, not too crazy because then I came back and then I got sick and then I didn't do any work. And I just watched series and fell asleep on the couch and, you know, do the things that you do when you're sick. <laughs> That's perfectly fine. Which was maybe a necessary thing. I feel like if I would have done work yesterday, I wouldn't have been fun. <laughs> wouldn't enjoy that at all. So this is probably the better version of that. So That's a mindset that I'm growing into. I, in this past few years, I pull a lot of like sleepless nights, a lot of all-nighters for a mm-hmm. lot of projects. And nowadays, a little bit older, I can't hang that late. <laughs> if I wake up after six hours of accidentally falling asleep, I'm like, that's self-care. You know, that's good. <laughs> I mean, sure. I planned to work all night last night, but, you know, I just got eight hours of sleep and I can't be mad at myself, you know? Uh, okay, so so you're in the stage where you're actually also planning to have sleepless nights. Because <laughs> for me, they just happen to me and then it, then it sucks. But then I, I feel like we both have equally confusing sleep schedules. But for me, they just sort of overtake me when I'm not looking, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think lately I'm like, if my body tells me I need sleep and I sleep, what can I do? You know, who am I going to be mad at? Myself? No. No. <laughs> it's just, it's that's not self-care. useful at all. Yeah. That's self-care. Sure. I like that. I clearly needed sleep and I refused to admit it. So. <laughs> Aren't we all <laughs> like that? <laughs> anyway, right. let's get back into some uh, world building. I think we were talking exactly. about the same thing. We're here to we're here to do some storytelling, aren't we? We're here to do some... Uh, well, actually, because it is the last one of the season, you know the drill by now. We're doing a prompts episode. Actually, you might also have known the drill because we've asked you for prompts. <laughs> like <laughs> sometime before this episode started, we asked you for prompts. And specifically, because we are in the Halloween spheres, we wanted all the monstery, spooky goodness that you got. So we asked for monster prompts today, which I'm mm-hmm. very excited about. I read a bunch of them, I picked a bunch of them. They're going to be great. I'm very excited about your picks for, to, <laughs> for today. So. I mean, what can we say? I feel like we're we're kind of monster people anyway. Like in all the prompt epi- or in all the topic episodes that we do, there's so many monsters that, you know, we love monsters, came yeah. by. Like we've tackled so many of them by now. So it's really, you know, good place in, in our hearts, I think, for monsters. Right. Anyway, I think since we're here, let's just start with the first prompt that you picked for us. Please feel free. All right. I would like you to read me the first prompt. Ben. Fantastic. Okay. Also, by the way, thank you all for sending them in again. We couldn't have done any of these episodes without you. <laughs> it's great to build on whatever you're giving us. I always look forward to asking people for prompts. Isn't it so nice? Yeah. They come from a mind space that I'm not ready to... I'm, not, I'm, definitely, <laughs> I'm always surprised by the mm. prompts that are sent in, and that's always a good thing. That's the best thing. Yes. Okay. Here's the first prompt. I, I read this, and I'm like, I feel like Marla would have a good time with this one. <laughs> oh, here we go. This one is by DC Barnes 3085. Okay. Thank you, DC Barnes. 
And this prompt reads as such, a young mermaid <gasps> trying to make ends meet gets a less than glamorous job at a sea park. Oh my God. This is the, I love this one so much. <laughs> I love mermaids. Mermaids are great. Oh my God. That's so beautiful. Thanks for sending me that prompt. Thank you so much, DC Barnes. So we're talking like side job. We're talking like outside of college hours, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they came out of mermaid college. Yeah. That's kind of the vibe I'm getting here, right? It's it's very, it's such a slice of life prompt. (laughs) Just came out of mermaid college. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) The exact words here are less than glamorous. Yeah. Give me that sentence one more time. Give me, give me that prompt. You got it. A young mermaid trying to make ends meet gets a less than glamorous job at a sea park. Yeah. Okay. So here's the interesting part, right? I feel like, yeah, believe me, I've done some YouTube deep dives into this. I feel like the people that work as, you know, live, I'm ready for this, quote unquote, real life mermaids at sea parks. Yes, yes, yes. By the way, that sounds like such a hard job. I don't know why someone would ever do that, but it's really cool, right? If you like work all your <laughs> life to be a, to be like a real life mermaid in a sea park. Very cool. But the people that do that, I feel like in real life, it's got to be the people that love it so much that they want to kind of do anything to get that job, right? Because it's such a it's such a Disney princess, you know, holy grail kind of a thing if you love mermaids, like to be a mermaid for your job, right? So yeah. because it's very hard, you have to be underwater all the yeah. time. You have to be in this terrible, like, well, I mean, beautiful, but like very, you know, tight fitting, uncomfortable costume that you literally can't move your legs in. I don't know. You have to have safety people all around. You have to deal with like literally like being an attraction, right? Being a sort of on display all the time. Like a spectacle kind of Yeah, being a spectacle. You have to like perform underwater while maybe not even seeing the people on the other side of the glass. It sounds like a terrible, like very complicated job to me. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're a real mermaid, suddenly all these, these efforts that the, you know, the human mermaids, I guess I'll just call them from now on (laughs) have to go through you don't have to do that because that's just what you do daily you're just a mermaid like they're emulating you and you're just you just have all the benefits and not just all the Mm. hardships of like being a mermaid in a sea park so i feel like if this is a world in which it's okay to be a real life mermaid like that yeah i was gonna say i think i like that concept as well because no story ever is okay with just mermaids being there (laughs) (laughs) Like, let's just make one for, you know, changing the scope a little bit. If it's just a sort of slice of life mermaid getting a mermaid job, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then I think it's not very glamorous for her because all the other quote unquote real life mermaids, the humans emulating mermaids in this park are going to be very frustrated that it's going to be so easy for you to just be a mermaid. It's just like, wow, look at this human. You don't you know, you have to stand there all day. You can just be a human and then that's your job. <laughs> but if that you know, if that's not the case, if you're working really hard every day to be a become like, you know, fake to be a mermaid, that's gonna be real shitty. Like to just have a colleague that is a mermaid that can literally breathe underwater. What the hell? That's not fair. <laughs> I just put all this effort into it, into this, into this like fucking dream job that I finally got after years of training and you know. All this stuff. <laughs> That's so funny. So I feel like there's a little bit of a tense energy going on, you know. If this is a sea park, and I think it is because I like my sea parks to be like grand and, and uh, you know, expansive and mm-hmm. have at least two mermaids. Let's put that in the universe because otherwise this would be a hard prompt. <laughs> <laughs> at least two. Then Minimum. You know, I think, I think the colleague situation is going to be a little bit tense. Like, how do you deal with that? And also, it's kind of weird that people are just trying to be you very hard. Isn't that kind of weird? So in a way, it would be as if we, like in a sort of parallel universe, right? If we got to an alien planet and they have like a human zoo there. Wow, look at all these weird (laughs) humans we found. Wow, so weird. And it's a bunch of people in costumes that look like humans. Yeah, isn't that super freaky and weird? That's so freaky and weird. And I think, like, I'm almost... (laughs) I'm kind of picturing scenes in which, you know, there's a little kid coming up to the glass and then they see like the real mermaid, maybe on their like third day of work, you know, they're getting pretty good (laughs) at it, like quickly because it's literally their race. They just think themselves, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, what they are. So there's not a lot to learn, I guess, except for just swimming around and knowing where the exit is. But a little kid just comes to the glass and it's like, well, I can see the seams. (laughs) 
She's not real. I think she wears a wig. That's way too pretty hair for like any real mermaid. I think real mermaids have like really long hair and she just has like regular hair. Right? That must be awful. And then it's just your job. And then people are filling in what you're thinking. I mean, I'm going a little bit dark here. (laughs) I realize. This is the monster episode. It's perfectly fine. But it's interesting and complex, you know. It's a a fascinating prompt, which is why I like this prompt a lot. Because it's bringing up all sorts of weird stuff. (laughs) Mm. The more you started describing what you were what you were imagining, I started picturing like this this very inland kind of middle of the landmass sort of zoo. Yeah, no sea around. Where there's no way there'd be. Yeah, no one has seen the sea ever. Exactly. So humans dressed up as mermaids, perfectly acceptable exhibit because you know <laughs> there's no water nearby. Yeah, if, for America, it'd be somewhere in like. Nebraska, somewhere like smack like dab in the middle. dry and desert. Yeah. Yeah. And then they import this whole real life mermaid. And then this poor intern who's also trying to make ends meet. <laughs> it's like yeah. get, get, getting all the makeup done and putting on the wig. And she's, she's like, come on. They, they got a real mermaid. I just got this gig. Yeah. This could be like a fantastic like little sitcom premise. Oh, yeah. Where like the, I can the see human. This sitcom, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the human previously employed as the mermaid has to like hash it out with the real life mermaid and they both have to coexist in this like a small town in the middle of America. Yeah, but I'm I'm seeing like if we're talking about sitcom, right, I'm seeing a sort of like young adult movie-esque style deal being made between the mm-hmm. intern and the real mermaid, right? Like you teach me how to be an actual mermaid because that's been my dream all my life and now suddenly you're here and then it turns out I'm doing it all wrong and you just have normal hair like me and that like super long hair because I just thought mm-hmm, that was real. Mm-hmm. So you teach me to be a real mermaid and I teach you to deal with people that are dicks <laughs> or to, you know, <laughs> to deal with like the work life in the human world and yeah. to make sure that people don't stop shitting on you because you're a real one or think that you're fake even though you're real. Like we can, we can sort of work it out. We have different skills here and I think you can help me and I can help you. (laughs) And I think there's a handshake somewhere, right? Like a very magical handshake. Yeah. And then halfway during the sitcom or like movie or whatever, whatever this is, (laughs) halfway, I feel like there's like a turning point where all of a sudden they realize they are different for reasons and that maybe (laughs) it's okay to emulate, but it's even better to believe in yourself. (laughs) Wow. You know, yeah. <laughs> Coming soon to Disney. I think I like where this is going. In the theaters. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love this shit. This is great. There's like, in the commercial, there's like a smash cut of like the human trying to learn like the siren song. Oh, And then yeah. the, the mermaid like learning how to use Just a smartphone. Screaming. It's like yeah. this. <laughs> oh my God, yes. Oh, I want all this montage. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm seeing it in my fun. brain. It's beautiful. Oh my gosh. And just like that. We got a story on our hands. Amazing. I love it. Thank you so much for sending in that prompt. Yeah. Barnes. It's so easy to visualize. Yes, DC Barnes. DC Barnes. Thank you so much. This was lovely. You know me well. I love mermaids. (laughs) 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 Enough about mermaids. I got to get out of this this hole that I'm in. All right. Let's move on to the next prompt. Okay. Send one my way. Let's switch it up, shall we? Mm -hmm, Okay. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I found this one quite interesting and a very... uh, Flavorful change, I guess. So uh, let, let's throw this one in the mix. This one is by Lope4634. Hey, what's up, Lope? Lope. Yeah. Very great name. Very nice to say. Lope. <laughs> and they're sending in the following prompt. A world where monsters are half organic, half machine, like a bioengineering kind of way, not in a cyborg way, but the world is in a late medieval era. Huh. So we're kind of giving a setting here, right? Which I like. That's an interesting change of pace. Okay. Interesting. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Half robotic, half organic. That's interesting because we literally just had the episode about robots, right? Yeah, I know. That's why it fascinated me. And we discussed how if they're specifically anachronistic, (laughs) if they seem too robotic for their own era, there's always a story reason, right? Mm. There's always a story reason. You have to explain robots in an era where they don't typically belong. So I guess that does beg the question then, what defines them as monsters, right? Is it because they're robotic? Is it because they have this mechanical aspect to them? Are they the creation of someone in this era? Are they from some sort of alternate realm, alternate dimension? Do they come from a place far away that the people do not understand? Um, Like the nature of the medieval era is so, so, so 
important. I can think about this. Please do. And is it just like one robo monster? Is it multiple? They said monsters, right? Multiple monsters. Yeah. So I feel like we're talking about a sort of like inherent like fact of the world, right? All Mm. monsters are half organic, half machine. Which also gives me, by the way, lots of corruption vibes, right? In an interesting way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I were to turn this into some sort of like fantasy setting, right? If I wanted to put this in some sort of campaign that players would play in, I think I would go the unexplained route where you don't initially tell your players why they're robotic. If I were to come up with an origin, I think that the people who live in this medieval era do not know where the robots come from. It's nobody's told them. Nobody's explained it to them. It feels like some sort of magical freak accident where a wizard was trying to do something crazy mm-hmm. and um, they went into the woods and cast some spells on some monsters and they were either transformed or monsters were brought over from some futuristic realm and now they just exist. And if I were to smash cut like episode one of, of this whole series, <laughs> it would mm-hmm. just be like a bunch of ordinary swordsmen walking into the woods. You know, they have their traveling gear. They're ready to hunt some monsters. And then out of the darkness of the forest, coming through during some sort of moonlight, late dusk situation, you would see the gleam and the fangs and the claws um, shining within the, within the moonlight, just beyond the veil of shadow. And as it comes out, you'd see this instead massive mechanical arm break through to the trees. And the knights would not be as surprised as you'd think. And they'd parry and you'd see them pull towards their waist and they'd pull out some sort of definitely more futuristic tech than you'd expect and you can see them like glaze something over their sword and then they're just blazing fire some sort of alchemical prowess going on where they tap into some sort of magical enchantments that they've gained from whatever kingdom they come from and they're doing their best to combat this futuristic threat with the medieval knowledge that they have obviously i'm throwing a little bit of fantasy in there because they're relying on magic here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the squ- and they it. have <laughs> and you could see like the support of whatever this main swordsman is like probably their side assistants would pull out these gizmos and gadgets that are also anachronistic and you can tell they were built from the scraps of the monsters they fought before speaking of the experience that these knights now have to have in dealing with this mecha futuristic creatures right Ooh. and it speaks to this premise that the setting, the people who live in this medieval era do not fully understand these monsters. But one, they've accepted that the monsters exist. Two, they've accepted that they need to understand the tech to beat the tech. Mm. And three, they are determined to not just fall victim to these monsters wholesale. There's an active problem that needs to be solved. They don't know where they came from. They don't know the circumstances of their origins, but it is a problem that they're willing to face head on. Right. Ooh, and I yes. feel like it's got some some I, I, this is definitely animated a, uh, yeah. Castlevania style. Good it's got that going on. Yes. Yeah. Lots like of grit, it. lots of blood, lots of oil being spilled. <laughs> oil being spilled. Love that sentence. <laughs> yeah. And in this kind of setting, and it's, it's almost as if the origin doesn't matter. Right. It's almost as if the mm. origin doesn't matter. It's simply that the problem exists and they have to solve it. Okay, okay. They have to beat the monsters. And like knowing the origin is kind of something they figure out along the way, coincidentally. That's interesting, right? Because very often we're, we as in we, the two people that are making a storytelling of world building <laughs> podcast, we are looking for the origins of stuff, right? Like we're mm-hmm, looking for mm-hmm. the lore of everything. And I like that this is just sort of existing in the unknown. I think that's pretty cool. Like purposefully, I mean. I really like this idea of it being like half organic, half mechanical, because then that gives me the idea that the monsters are of this realm. They were somehow transformed yeah, or it's rebuilt not just, or you know, reformed. Aliens. Yeah. yeah, it's not just a fully foreign being. It's, yeah, it's, right. it's almost as if the monsters, although they were the big bad monsters of, of yore, of these past few decades of myth, of legends, they've now been like unwillingly transformed with this robotic nature. And they, too, are the victims, right? Mm. Both the heroes and the monsters are victims to this strange this strange cybernetic change. Yeah. Right. And also, isn't that so satisfying from these kind of dark-toned settings where everyone is sort of 
I mean, this is going to be a bit dark, but like where everyone's mm-hmm. kind of hurting a little bit, right? Where you right. feel sort of the grits sort of attacking everyone kind of gives me a little bit of like the um, Princess Mononoke vibes where you don't really know who's the bad guy because everyone mm-hmm. just sort of has the trouble of the world on their shoulders. You know, I think that's really nice. Yeah. I love, love, love when there's heroes and villains established. And then they have to team up to face a common threat. Mm. It's like, oh, they've been fighting this entire time, but now they're both victims. So seeing them side by side, like back to back, seeing them back to back is such a a cool thing. Yeah. The secondary side character of the story would obviously be some sort of a human robo monster amalgamation. (laughs) Yes. That like they have to befriend to understand the deeper truth. Yeah. Yeah, For sure. For sure. Okay, that's my pitch and I'm sticking to it. I can see the end battle, you know, happening in my brain. Yes, yeah. I love this. Thank you, Great Lope. job. Yeah, Lope shows up all the time in our live stream, so I'm very oh, familiar with Oh, they do. Me. Good yeah. for you, Lope. Happy that you're introducing us to a great problem like this. Thank you so much. Again. Amazing. Okay, your turn. Nah. Are you ready well, for this prompt? <laughs> yes. Okay, okay. Is the okay. only answer to be given here. We might have to do a little bit of uh, of reading up here because I really like this prompt, but I want Whoa. us to understand it in its entirety. Okay. Um, this prompt, uh, the third prompt of this episode is by, and I want to pronounce this right, a Mordequaiser. Mordequaiser? Wow. Sounds like you're not pronouncing it right. <laughs> How do you spell this? M-O-R-D-E-K-U-I-S-E-R. U-I. Okay. So if this is a Dutch person, which maybe not, but then I would say... Mordekaiser with an I. Well, I mean, that sounds right because there is a League of Legends champion. Sounds better than what you did, honestly. <laughs> not yeah, gonna yeah. lie, there, but I'm not sure. There's a League of Legends champion called Mordekaiser oh. where there's an A instead of a U. So maybe this is just how another country spells that character. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. Or they just spelled Whatever. it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Isn't that interesting? We're looking for lore everywhere. Backstory, backstory. Anyway, here is the prompt for you yes bring it on in a world in a world where banshees <laughs> in <a> serve <laughs> in a world in a world where banshees serve as a 911 like emergency system describe a typical night at the local banshee dispatch center <laughs> oh wait i do kind of love this one yeah okay okay i understand now what you were saying before because i i think i know kind of what banshees are about but not really I know they scream. <laughs> That's kind of the, the end of my knowledge. That's the big thing. Yeah. So Wikipedia says, A banshee is a female spirit in Irish folklore who heralds the death of a family member, usually by screaming, wailing, shrieking, or keening. Keening? What does that mean? Does it just mean screaming? Keening is a traditional form of vocal lament for the dead in Celtic tradition. Oh, okay. So huh. they do a lot of mourning, wailing, screaming, and it's usually in the context of somebody dying. Okay, a lot of screaming energy. Got that part right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes depicted as long streaming hair, uh, wearing a gray cloak over a green dress, and red eyes from continual weeping. Hmm. Yeah, I'm getting like sort of witchy, harpy kind of vibes, ghosty mm-hmm. vibes. And I know in D&D they're the monsters that if they scream, they sort of kill you from screaming <laughs> yeah they just knock you out you're dead which is a little bit different i guess from this lore but you know it, i understand the origins now <laughs> okay i love this prompt so much i'm i'm loving the slice of life energy we're having here it's my favorite kind of energy <laughs> yeah so what are we saying the banshees are well famous for screaming or wailing yeah, i'll send you the context and for that reason part of the emergency system here i think that's what it said right yes so they're part, they serve as a 911-like emergency system. So you must describe a typical night at a local Banshee dispatch center. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so hmm, like how does, this, how does this logistically make sense, right? Does this world not have bells or telephones or, you know, sirens, like police sirens? Is that a thing that doesn't exist? <laughs> like what are they necessary for, right? Because if it's just screaming... <laughs> then maybe i don't know i mean who knows? maybe there like we could go like a crazy route and be like sort of go into like um what's that movie called like a quiet place territory where all sound is sort of kind of bad mm-hmm. so everyone has to stay silent and the only sound somehow that doesn't alert the evils or that doesn't break the world is the banshee scream Ooh. so the only way that we can sort of 
communicate. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm going really deep very quickly with this. This time. But like the only way that we can sort of alert each other on a distance would be with a banshee scream and with nothing else for some reason. <laughs> like then it makes sense to me. But in another world where it's just, you know, where they serve as a 911 emergency system. Like, is it just because they're faster or because they're like louder about it? <laughs> is it just more efficient than like doing like the official phone call, like hierarchy system that they usually have in place for this kind of stuff? Well, I mean, 911 still has like a hotline that you can call. It's just that their services are urgent. I think that's the implication here. But I mean, if they, hmm. they scream, well, like any vocal thing, I'm sure we can like mix that up a little bit. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, okay. But this can also go like the other route. I'm looking at the phrasing of this. Like, it doesn't really say that their scream is like the necessary skill that they have. <laughs> they could also just be there for like, you know, workforce. <laughs> I don't know. Like a banshee because, was just employed as like well, a secretary just for this because... It can be the other way, right? Where they just run a sort of... um. God, I don't know any of these words for this kind of stuff. I never talk about this in English. Um, uh -huh. But like uh, funeral services and stuff, right? If they're very good at like mourning the dead, maybe that's what they're good at. Maybe they're being dispatched when someone's like almost over the edge. And because they're a banshee and very like, I don't know, holy or folklore like people believe in, mm. in their spiritual necessity or something, you okay, know, okay. in a sort of folklore way. Maybe those are kind of the, the holy people that they are dispatching for, like, safely... Oh, <laughs> safely passing on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Safe that sounds kind of wrong, but you know what I mean, safely right? Safely Like, they're the priests, kind of, in a way. Yeah, sure, that, yeah, that I That sort that. of bless them with their holy banshee afterlife screaming services. Call them now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what this reads as? That like some some sort of old age myth is like to successfully peacefully pass on to the afterlife. A banshee screaming is the ultimate blessing, right? And then like yeah, kind of. And then yeah, like a thousand a years of, yeah. later, it's been like it's been like obtained by capitalism, and now it's like a whole business. It's like <laughs> oh, welcome to banshee screaming, you know. How can I Honestly, help you? what you know, if it would be kind of like the mermaid prompt where it's like, okay, I was very cool and spiritual before, but now I just need to pay my rent. So does anyone have a job for me? <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, the thing they're good at is basically like holy, safe, after death uh, passage into the afterlife. So maybe that's their, their business plan, you know? Yeah, their their resume could has be, like... Could be fun. <laughs> could be fun. Yeah, they have a could be fun. They have a resume that says like, "Oh, interned at the funeral home, now employed yeah. at Brick Birch uh, Hospital." You know, generational experience of thousands mm -hmm. of years. You know, my mother did this, and her mother did it, and you know, yeah, yeah, like it's a great resume. Exactly, proficient in eulogy, screaming, um, <laughs> yeah, mournful hymns, uh, all kinds of screams by them here. Can got do the ska ones, on got request. The soft ones, got the for spooky ones, yeah. Also trained in reggae and soul. <laughs> <laughs> if you want, like some more summer groove into there, <laughs> they're just you know good at everything here. I love. You really got to diversify these days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's be it's about being all round, you know. <laughs> okay, okay. They're the freelancers of this world. Okay, enough. Let's get it too real. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, though, if it's a nine one one like emergency system, I think there needs to be a sort of, I guess, rule of the lore. That their scream only works shortly after or, or mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. when they pass away. Like when they scream <laughs> during their passing, it, it counts as a blessing. But if they're too late or if they're too early, it doesn't work or it makes it worse or I don't know. So the urgency about this is relevant, right? Because right. otherwise, why would they be in a sort of emergency, like specifically emergency business setting? Right, right, Instead right. of just a regular <laughs> get your screams today setting, you know? <laughs> You know, this reads a lot like um, kind of like a Danny Phantom situation, right? There's like a there's like a, a trio of banshees in like the break room. They're playing like ping pong or something. Mm -hmm. And then like they get an urgent call on their red hotline. And it's like, oh, um, a massive fire breaks out in the East Village. It's time to like dispatch. And they all like throw on their like ghostly old oh, Celtic yeah. uniforms. And they like bolt out of the building like the Powerpuff Girls basically to, to head over yeah. there. I love that. Yes. Also, this is an interesting thing you're bringing up because what if it's like a mass problem, right? What if it's not just one person passing away because of an mm. accident or because of something, but what if it's like a building 
falling and suddenly thousands of people are on the brink of their death, which is pretty horrifying. But you need either you need a lot of banshees or you need a really long, loud scream. <laughs> like there's two kinds of like, how do you balance the amount of banshees you need for the amount of emergency, like people almost almost getting over the edge, right? And also, what would their scream do if they turn out to not be on the brink of death? But if they turn out to sort of end up being saved after all, and maybe, I don't know, are scarred for life, but they're still living. Does it do anything if it's timed wrong? You know, like, oh. is this a hard job? I think that's an interesting like aspect of this as well. Yeah. Because then it gets very difficult. Like if all kinds of people like die during the fall of a building or not die, then if you scream for one, then maybe the other one hears it and has like the, the disadvantages of it because they're still living. I don't know. I love how the more you talk and explain the situation, it feels like the same universe as the mermaid side job yeah, story. Yeah, uh, definitely. Right? In my brain it is. This yeah. is all in the <laughs> same be, town. Right? You've yeah. got the banshees working at the fire department. You've got yeah. the mermaids working at the zoo. There's like an online community where the mythical creatures are like, God dang, being in a human town's rough, dude. <laughs> you want to talk about it? <laughs> yeah. And it's like they got to adjust to the new society. Being a monster used to be so easy, you know, just spook some people, live in the forest. <laughs> Take their money, you know live happily nowadays yeah. there's so many laws in place and you know with with all this construction going on we got to find our own spaces to live and this is just life yeah. now. yeah 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 it is a rough life you know i'm loving this monster verse that we're building here this is sort yes. of i will definitely try to make the next prompt fit into the same world <laughs> whatever it might be <laughs> oh okay now this is interesting yeah Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I kind of do want it now. I really enjoyed yeah. that. Thank you, Mordekaiser. I don't know how to say your name, but I'm going to guess it's something like that. So that yeah. was a fun... It, this is lovely. Oh fun, fun, God. fun prompt. This is beautiful. Okay. Interesting. I got two options here because I just picked another one just in case. Sure. But I kind of like both. This is the last prompt of the season, Marla. Yeah. I mean, no pressure. So, so important. You get this exactly but right. But now I kind of want to also have this, like, I kind of want to, you know... <laughs> Put it in the same universe, so mm -hmm. I feel like it, it should fit. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, okay, I think it's got to be this one. Sure. Because I'm interested about the, like, ethics of it. And in similar ways, I think I need a little bit of, like, backup information on what this monster is that they're referring to. So mm -hmm. here we go. This one is by Varimatra2088. Thank you so much, Varimatra. And it goes as follows. Imagine a village where instead of traditional cows... Wendigos are raised as farm animals, and the townspeople consider this to be perfectly normal. Wendigos are raised as farm animals. We do a little bit of research on this. Let's, on let's this do podcast. a little dive in. Yeah. Okay. What I'm being told by the internet: Wendigos are the one source of information ever. <laughs> uh, North American Algonquin-speaking tribes: A Wendigo is a supernatural being that is associated with winter, powerful monster that stalks and eats humans. A spirit that possesses humans, turning them into cannibals, the spirit of winter, and the symbol of the dangers of selfishness. They have an insatiable taste for human flesh, possessing supernatural speed, being able to run in excess of 100 miles per hour. Also, they look very cool. They're like sort of two bipedal sort of large elks with like skeletons for a head. Yeah, very yeah, cool. yeah. Also, they remind me a lot of like the main sort of titan design from the owl house a series i've binge watched mm. when i was during my illness it was great <laughs> okay okay, okay <laughs> getting okay. immediately distracted by the visuals of this <laughs> sorry uh, getting back into it and uh, it says here to fight a wendigo you must destroy its heart using a silver bullet or arrow to weaken it oh okay um, but it will not destroy the heart due to its thick layer of ice that's protecting it interesting i don't know that much about wendigos but that's so interesting also apparently it's like north american lore yeah, a rare, cool. rare North American win for mythology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take that. Europe. <laughs> Asia, India, Africa, yeah. all of your really cool lore. Finally, we get one. <laughs> we get one cool one. Yeah, own that shit. Okay, should I read it to you one more time? Yes, please. Are we good? Let's do this one more okay. time. Okay, now that we know more about Wendigos. <laughs> Imagine a village where instead of traditional cows... Wendigos are raised as farm animals, and the townspeople consider this to be perfectly normal, with the added pressure of fitting this into the uh, mermaid banshee world. Yes, thank you, kindly. Interesting. That's not part of the prompt, I just put that in there. <laughs> I feel like this is definitely a dogs versus wolves situation, 
where like some Wendigos are still the heartless, ice frozen cannibalistic ah. monsters in the forests, you know? The, the Interesting. Classic okay. Wendigo. And there are some that are so far removed. <laughs> They're so, you know, the, the all-American Wendigo. But some of them are so far removed from their roots, like generations down, that they've almost idyllically forgotten where they come from, right? In this Midwestern town where mermaids are zoo employees and banshees are 911 dispatchers, there's also, of course, naturally, a farm nearby placed in the vastness of plains land um no forest nearby at all for any of these cannibalistic wendigos to ever stumble upon there's this quote-unquote happy little farm where a whole family of wendigos are perfectly satisfied just producing massive blocks of ice from their frozen hearts uh and it's and it's just like okay now it gets interesting <laughs> the seasonal process where there's a natural chill to these wendigos and every every summer as they are winter-like beings every summer there's a massive demand of ice and you know midwest america kind of hard to get ice in the summer thankfully we have these wendigos who live in this cool barn who are able to condense the frozen horrors of their spirit into friendly little ice cubes and you can sell at the supermarket And there is a cozy family of Wendigos that lives in this barn who take this as their job. They just grew up perfectly understanding that this is something they are uniquely good at. The only people in town, you know, the Wendigo family, like they're the Digos, you know, the Digo, the Digo family. The Digos? Yeah. Is this a reference I should know about? No, I have no no idea. idea. No, no. This is a... (laughs) Okay, okay. I'm imagining something. I'm imagining like a Simpsons-esque setting. Where it's just Ah, like a family who knew how to condense the eldritch horrors of their hearts into some sort of like profitable business. Into business. Yeah. You know, they're. We're so capitalist today. What's happening? I wouldn't say that they're like livestock or any sort of like farm animals. Yeah, because that's an interesting deviation. I like the sort of uh, happy go lucky version you're making of this. Yeah. Because it it does feel weird because Wendigos feel like sentient creatures. And I'm not going to make them just be simple farm animals i feel like if you're a whole wendigo How moral of you yeah if you're a whole wendigo that's so nice for the wendigos if you're not one of the evil heart ripping ones from the forest then you know you could live a comfortable life in a monster friendly town yeah so okay so here's my question the um or i guess the clarification because i think the answer is yes you're saying that both the heart-wrenching terrible spooky trauma-inducing versions mm-hmm of this race or of these monsters mm-hmm. are living in the same time period, same sort of maybe even area yes. as the happy-go-lucky ice ice making family, yes. right? So is this a question of like, do people trust Wendigos? Is this a sort of werewolf situation where like no one really dares to sort of be chill with them because they know <laughs> the other versions exist? Sorry. Wah <laughs> <laughs> It's an ice pun. <laughs> Congrats. Uh, uh-huh. Sorry, where were you going? I apologize. Uh, uh, distraction. Uh, yeah, but, but you know, is this a kind of werewolf situation where it's like, oh, they, they can trust you one day and then suddenly you turn bad on them and then... Or is this because they never know upon meeting you if you're one of the evil kind? That's what I think. What's the underlying I um, think, feel of this? I think the generations run so deep that this little town of Plainsville has never seen a proper Wendigo. Like even to the point oh, okay. that like the youngest children of this of the Digo family have never seen how feral they used to be. That's not just oh, okay. they grew up like just going this to This is a, like a World War Two where the little German kids are like constantly told that they never should be evil and then they're like, What happened? <laughs> What's going on? Why do you keep telling me this? I think I, I know by now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Deep cut, deep cut. Um yeah, exactly that. You know, they just go to a regular elementary school like all the other kids of Plainsville, you know, and you know, sometimes they're treated a little bit differently because they have the antlers and they have the skeleton poking out of their chest, you know, but otherwise, totally <laughs> <You know>. normal <laughs> kids, totally normal kids. But of course, mm-hmm. typical yeah. monster sitcom fashion, as it has been a, a very widely accepted genre at this point. Yeah. The, the monster sitcom. Turns out it is. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cryptid sitcom, so to speak. This all comes Crypt-com? to a head. No, Cryptcom. No, no. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I like that. Yeah, let's, let's roll that back. <laughs> yeah, let's move over that one real quick. <laughs> um, this all comes to a head when they're invited to a family reunion. Ooh. So 
somewhere in the okay. forest southwest. Or no, east, because the Algonquins were based on the eastern side of the U.S. Okay, yeah. <laughs> they, they have some distant cousins on the east coast that invited the, the Digos to the family reunion. And, you know, the mom is like... Yeah, it sounds real nice. You could re- talking to her husband, of course. Uh, yeah, it sounds real nice. You could reconnect with your cousins out out on the coast. And the dad's like, I haven't spoken to them in years. My mom wasn't friends with them. My grandmother wasn't friends with them. Like, why are they calling us now? What's changed? And then the mom is, of course, like, oh, this is going to be perfectly fine. We'll bring the kids out. We'll make a whole car trip out of it. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful experience. And they get there. And all of their cousins are these bloodthirsty, ravaging, like blood everywhere. cryptids. Yeah. And the, it's like this dichotomy of the whole family sitting there with like little handkerchiefs tucked into their shirt and like a fork and a spoon. I was going to say like, and yeah, like I'm seeing carcasses. like a scene where they step out of the family car and they're like, there's like skeletons flying in the foreground and like blood everywhere. And you hear the screams in the background. They're like, oh, this is going to be lovely. <laughs> yep. They go, yep, welcome okay. to the neighborhood type situation. There's the dinner yeah, table. Yeah, there's for a sure, whole. For sure. There's a whole carcass on the table. There's a whole like human just laying there. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, oh, I'm so sorry, my daughter's vegetarian. This is not really. Could we <laughs> ask for something else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it's like this family clash, you know. So how's your eyes business? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, I, th- I think this is how the conversation goes. Like. For a few hours, just screaming. Oh, yeah. My, my grandma taught me the mother tongue when I was really young. Let me respond. Ah. <laughs> Somehow this still feels peaceful and I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't know how that happened, but I'm kind of for it. Yeah. This all comes to a head, of course. And as, as I kind of tie this episode together, I'm imagining, of course, the spinoff of all spinoffs where there's the young mermaid who is employed at the zoo with one of the newer hires from the Banshee Fire Department befriending uh, probably one of the sons of the Digo family. And they all come together in this joint spin-off series where they start a rock band or something. <gasps> you know? I love it. I mean, it's got to be a rock band. I mean, there's a Banshee, so, you know. And a mermaid. I feel like oh, just a bunch of real yeah. good singers, you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh my God, this is beautiful. I can see it already. It sounds like a very woke cartoon, which I like <laughs> a lot. Like, doesn't it, though? I think uh, it's like a subversive series, you know? Yeah. yeah I yeah. kind of wanted to ask what all the names are of the of the Digo family, because I really want want like one of the daughters to be named Wendy. And then it would be awkward because her surname is Digo and it's like Wendy Digo. And it's oh, yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. OK, cool. Glad we established that. But, you know, put it in the universe. I'm, I can die happy now. Yeah, there's like Wendy Wendell is one of them. Their father's name is like Diego, Diego Digo, you know. <laughs> exactly. It's going to be like all awkward. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Okay. And uh, with that visual, <laughs> thank you for coming to our episode where we make a sitcom and pitch it. I think we're doing great. This was lovely. It's one of my favorite genres where it's just casual and terrifying at the same time. Oh, and, yeah. the pe- and the people and the characters are all okay with it. This would absolutely <laughs> like have a uh, mystery machine, Scooby-Doo crossover it's one of yeah. those type of series, you know. For sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and with that said, that's the end of season six. That's the end of season oh six. Oh my God. Uh, season six. Wild. Aren't we doing wild? Oh, oh my God. My <laughs> okay, okay? microphone just hit me almost in the face. <laughs> what were we saying? <laughs> uh, thank oh you. yeah, end of season. End of season. 70 episodes. It's the end of season six. That's wild. We got 70 that's episodes. so many episodes. I'm so proud of us. I think somehow we kept on world building and there's never like the end of worlds. You know, we never we never ran out of stuff to world build. Isn't that great? Yeah. I think that's a very good like meta kind of reason for promoting this hobby. And it's just never <laughs> ends. You know, you can keep doing this forever. Yeah. I don't think we there's any shortage of things we could spin up. There, no. An infinite amount of worlds to build and stories to tell. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, 70 episodes in, guest episodes in the mix of that. Yeah. I think I calculated it like just last week, somewhere in the ballpark of 55 hours of recording. Oh my God. And that's, and that's published. That's post edit. <laughs> so we're somewhere. Yeah. We're closing in on close to 100 hours longer. of nothing yeah. but just world building and storytelling. Isn't it the most beautiful thing? Oh my gosh, it's so, so fun. Don't we love it? (laughs) 
Oh, well, this has been so fun. Yeah, thank you guys all for tuning into this series. Uh, we appreciate everyone who listens in. It is so, so encouraging to see people comment yeah. and, and tag us and things on Twitter and YouTube and all that stuff. And we hope you enjoy your holiday season. We hope you have a wonderful rest of the year. Yes, happy Halloween, by the way. Of course, of course. Because tis the season after all. <laughs> Merla, how, how about you close us out? Oh, I will. Not just this episode, but this season as a whole. Oh, oh my God, no pressure. Thank you guys so much. First off, to sending in your prompts. We love them always. And they're making the best sitcoms as we realized today. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, thank you guys so much. Dutch already said it, but... It's so great to realize that people are listening and loving your stuff. And um, it's a labor of love from both sides. And uh, we can really feel that. And that's really special. We're going to be back for a new season very soon, probably. We're not going to disclose any dates because we don't know them yet. (laughs) (laughs) But we will be back eventually. Don't worry. It's going to (laughs) happen. But before that, in case you want to, by the way, send in any prompts, talk to us, like bother us about any cool, weird ideas you got. We're also weirdos like you. Please send them our way. Uh, we have a Twitter, as Dante said, but also you can always uh, send us stuff via our Gmail, yourriversarewrong at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. That's yourriversarewrong at gmail.com. Find us there. But before that, there's this one thing we also always want to give you just to sort of mulch on about in the break. You know? Mulch on about? Yeah, that's words. I know English. <laughs> I just made new words. <laughs> that's fine. I mean, anyway. I understood it. It made sense to me. Yeah, see? Yeah. That's, that's all you need. <laughs> that's all, right. all you need, really. All right. Sorry, continue. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, and it's this one thing, which is that your rivers are kind of wrong. Yeah, sorry You're about wrong. it. Um, Still wrong? Maybe Always you should get wrong. that looked at. Yeah, um, we'll talk about it later, maybe. But for now, have a wonderful holiday season, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of Your Rivers Are Wrong. If you have any thoughts for topics, prompts, or if you just want to share your thoughts, you can reach us at yourriversarewrong at gmail.com. That's yourriversarewrong at gmail.com. Big thank you goes to Martins Kelligans for our intro and outro music. And most importantly, thank you for listening. We hope to catch you at our next episode. Have a good one.